Let's pray, guys. Father, I thank you for this week. I thank you for the things that you've done so far. God, I pray tonight as we open your word, I pray that hearts and minds would be open to your truth. I pray that we would see you for who you really are, that we would see the gospel for what it really is. God, I pray that you would move in this place tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, I've had such a great time with you guys this week. We've still got some time together, uh, but I feel like I've been coming up here and we've just been getting like just straight down to business and we haven't really taken time for, for you guys to get to know me. Um, not that it's important that you know me, but, but I feel like sometimes it helps. You want to know the person who's talking to you so you can listen to them a little better. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop a bomb on you guys, something that I'm sure none of you have figured out about me by this point. So buckle up, okay? Here it goes. I'm a giant nerd, okay? Um, I am a legit card-carrying, Dungeons and Dragons playing, Magic the Gathering playing nerd, okay? I am a genuine, bona fide nerd, but my deepest pit of nerddom is comic books, okay? I love I love comic books, and I'm not just talking I go and watch Marvel movies, okay? I'm talking about I've read all the big ones, I've read all of your Infinity Sagas and all of your Crisis on Infinite Earths and all of your Batman Long Halloween and all of your Hush and all of your uh, Invincible best comic book series there is. Anyway, I, I love comic books. I have thousands and thousands of issues, and I always have. I've always loved comics. Uh, my entire life, I've loved comics, and and I, you know, I've gotten into to deep debates about what's better, Marvel or DC, and we're not going to go there because there's not a right answer, but there is a wrong one. Marvel's not better. Um, DC is. Um, and, but, but of all my time reading comic books, of all the superheroes that I love, there are two that stand above the rest. Two superheroes that have always been my favorite. Two superheroes that have always meant the most to me, and those two superheroes are Superman and Spider-Man. Superman and Spider-Man. I love Superman and I love Spider-Man. I know some of you are like, come on man, Batman. Like, okay, come on. What do you like, Wolverine too? Anyway, okay. Uh, I love Superman and Spider-Man, and, and, and I never really given so much thought as to why these two characters were my favorite. Um, but but when I started to think about this and when I started to kind of chew on it, I realized something. The reason I love Superman and Spider-Man so much, the reason those two stand out above the rest for me is because Superman and Spider-Man are a lot like me. Now, I mean, putting aside the fact that clearly I have the body of Superman, that's, that's not the point. What I mean... It's not so much that Superman and Spider-Man are like me. What I mean is that Peter Parker and Clark Kent are a lot like me, right? They're these, these kind of nerdy, glasses-wearing guys who, you know, don't have no friends, but they're certainly not the popular ones. They have kind of their crew that they stick with, and, and they're not... The athletes, the jocks, the popular ones, they're, they're, they're nerdy, they're kind of loners, but they still have friends. And, and when I see those characters, those normal, mild-mannered mild guys, when I read those stories as a kid and as a teenager, I, I felt a connection with those characters. And I always have, um, fun fact, my son's middle name is Clark. There's a reason for that. Anyway, um, he's also... Uh, 
Caleb Logan, which Caleb is Cal and Logan is L. So we'll, anyway, um, that's not the point. I tricked my wife into that one. Anyway, um, so, no, Logan, never mind. That's not, I didn't choose the name Logan. That's my last name. Anyway, um, but, but here's my point. I love those characters because I relate to them. I love those characters because I, I see myself in them. I resonate with them. I, I like a good Batman story. I like a good Iron Man story, but I'm not a billionaire orphan, okay? I am a kind of nerdy, glasses-wearing guy, a, a normal, mild-mannered dude. Like, and so, so I can connect with Superman. I can connect with Spider-Man. And, and I think a lot of the times when we think of our favorite characters, when we think of our favorite stories, they're often ones where we can connect with the people in that story or we resonate with them, they resonate with us, we, we can see ourselves in their shoes, and so that story means that much more to us. Well, today we're gonna continue the story we've been talking about, this story of, of God taking on flesh and walking among us. And as we look to this, we're gonna see a few characters in this story. And now we do have to be careful with this because when I say characters, know that I'm not talking about characters that were written by some guy in the 1940s and then have just stuck around. What I'm talking about are people, real people, real people who lived, who breathed, who walked on this earth, who did these things that we're about to see in the story we're about to read. These are real people, and so we don't want to make them into characters in our mind. And, and, and also, when we read scripture, sometimes we have this bad habit of trying to insert ourselves into the story where we don't belong. And so we do want to be careful with that. But what we're going to read tonight, I think we do belong here. I think it's, it's, it's a place where we do need to insert ourselves into the story a little bit because what we see play out is not some story that's disconnected from us, but it's a story where the people are doing the exact same things that you would do and that I would do. So we're gonna be looking at the book of John, of course, where we've been all week, in John chapter 18. So just to recap what's happened so far. We saw at the very beginning, the prologue, we saw the truth of God, that God always has been, he always will be. He spoke everything into existence, but then... He took on flesh and he was born into the world as a baby, he grew as a man named Jesus. We saw the truth of his words, we saw the truth of Jesus as he went through his life, as he performed these incredible miracles that testified to his power, and he spoke these incredible words that testified to his identity as God in the flesh. And we also saw that the people rejected him for it. Chiefly that the Pharisees, the religious rulers, the authorities of the day, they hated Jesus for the things that he did and the words that he said. And so throughout the book of John, we see them start to cook up this scheme to have Jesus put to death. And in chapter 18 is where they finally have Jesus arrested. Jesus is arrested and they take him before the Jewish authorities and the Jewish leaders and they put on this kangaroo court, this false trial to condemn him. And at this point, all of Jesus' disciples, all of his friends, they've turned their backs on him, they've abandoned him and Jesus is all alone on the earth. Though his father is still with him, but he is all alone on the earth, and they take him from the Jewish authorities now to the Roman authorities. 
taken to the Roman authorities, a man named Pontius Pilate, and that's where we will pick up in John chapter 18, verse 28. John 18, 28 says this. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters, and it was early in the morning. And they themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. And so Pilate went outside to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? And they answered him, if this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. And Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. And the Jews said, it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the Jewish authorities have convicted Jesus on their own because of false accusations. They bring him before Pilate. Pilate says, what's the accusation you have against him? And they don't even bother to give one. They just said, look, if he hadn't done something wrong, we wouldn't be bringing him to you. And Pilate goes, will you take care of him yourself? And they go, no, because this man deserves death and we're not authorized to do that. So Pilate, we need you to do it. Continue on. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord or did others say it about me? And Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not of this world. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king, and for this purpose I was born. For this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth, and everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And here it is, the question that kicked off this whole week. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And after he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and he told them, I have found no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. A little context there, that word robber can also mean insurrectionist. In the book of Acts, Barabbas is identified as a murderer. This isn't a guy that stole a loaf of bread to feed his starving family. This is a guy who was a wicked, vicious killer. The Jews, the people, the crowd are asking to be released instead of Jesus. And then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him, whipped him, beat him, and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they arrayed him in a purple robe, and they came up to him saying, Hail, the king of the Jews, and they struck him with their hands. And Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So now Pilate is showing the people this beaten, bloodied, humiliated Jesus, hoping that they'll realize that this innocent man has suffered enough and Pilate won't have any more blood on his hands. Bring you out to him to know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing a crown of thorns and a purple robe and Pilate said to, him, to them, behold the man. And when the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, crucify him. 
crucify him. And Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. And the Jews answered him, we have a law. And according to the law, he ought to die because he has made himself the son of God. And when Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid and he entered his headquarters again and he said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. So Pilate said, will you not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? And Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who has delivered me over to you, he has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, if you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, He brought Jesus out and he sat him down on the judgment seat at a place called the stone pavement in Aramaic, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover and it was about the sixth hour and he said to the Jews, behold your king. And they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. And Jesus said to them, shall or sorry, Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? And the chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar. And so he delivered him over to be crucified. So they took Jesus and they went out and bearing his own cross to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him with two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. This is the story of how Christ died. This is the story of how an innocent, sinless, perfect, morally perfect man went and died the death of a murderer, died the death of a criminal, was beaten, was mocked, was humiliated, and ultimately was killed for crimes that he didn't commit. And I said in this story there were characters that we can relate to. Characters that are so much like ourselves that if we're honest with ourselves, we can see ourselves in them. But maybe it's not something we want to see. Because you see, when we look at this story, we're like Pilate. We are like Pilate. Pilate, a man who was given a choice a choice between the truth and a lie. A choice between the truth that Jesus is innocent and the lie that this man deserves crucifixion. Pilate was given that choice between the truth and a lie and he chose the lie. He chose the lie because it was easier for him. He chose the lie because it was convenient. He chose the lie because the truth wasn't going to make him any friends. And so he chose the lie, though he knew Jesus was innocent. He feared the Jews. He feared what people would think. And so he went along with the lie that the world was saying. He went along with the lie, and he sent an innocent man to his death. Guys, this morning we talked about the same thing that each and every one of us, we trade the truth about God for a lie and worship creation rather than the creator. In the same way that crowd had a choice, 
That mob had a choice. They were given the choice between Jesus and Barabbas. They were given the choice between a holy, righteous, morally perfect man, someone who had never sinned, never done anything wrong, never done anything deserving of condemnation or guilt, and a murderer, a wicked, evil terrorist. They were given the choice between Jesus and Barabbas, and what did they choose? They chose Barabbas. They wanted for that wicked man to be set free and for Jesus to go and to face death. See, they didn't just choose the lie. They didn't just choose something over Jesus, but they hated Jesus. They shouted, crucify him, crucify him. They went out of their way to make sure that this innocent man would face death, and not just death, but death on a cross, one of the most brutal, vicious, painful, torturous deaths that you can imagine. They were given the choice between Jesus and Barabbas, the choice between a truth and a lie, the choice between light and darkness. And what did they do? They loved the darkness and they hated the light. Just like you do. Just like I do. Just like we all do. That's what we talked about this morning. Just as Pilate made the choice of the lie over the truth, just as the people made the choice of the darkness over the light, we do the same. We sin. We choose anything and everything over Christ. But there's another character in this story. Another character, another person. Again, these are real people. These are real events. These are things that really happened. And there's another person in this account that we are a lot like. You see, we're like Barabbas. We are like Barabbas because we are wicked, evil people. Murderous, hateful, spiteful, wicked. And we deserve death. In fact, we're condemned to it. We are condemned to a death that we rightly deserve. We are convicted of our crimes and we deserve to be put to death. See, on that mountain, on Golgotha, as Jesus died, there were three crosses there. On the cross to the left, there was a sinner. On the cross to the right, there was a sinner. But on that cross in the middle, There was the perfect, holy, righteous, blameless, sinless Son of God. The only sinless man to ever walk the face of this earth, and yet he died on that cross in the place of a sinner. He died on that cross taking the place that rightfully belonged, not to him, but to Barabbas. He died on that cross taking the place of that murderer taking the punishment that Barabbas deserved and taking it on himself. Barabbas deserved death. Jesus was perfect and righteous and holy, but he took Barabbas' place. And guys, the good news of the gospel is that the holy, righteous, perfect Jesus who took Barabbas' place on that cross, he took our place on that cross as well. 
That just as Barabbas was someone who was wicked and deserving of death, we stand before a holy God, condemned in our sins, wicked and deserving of death. But just as Jesus went to the cross and literally, physically took the place of Barabbas, he went to the cross and he took your place and he took mine. Scripture talks about this over and over and over again. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says this, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. The perfect, righteous, holy Jesus who knew no sin, God made him to be sin for us, to take our place in punishment. In Galatians, Galatians 3.13, it says that we are redeemed from the curse. We're saved from the punishment that we deserve by Christ becoming a curse on our behalf. By Christ taking our punishment on our behalf. In 1 Peter 2.24, it says that he bore our sins. He took our sins on himself. He put our sins on his shoulder. It says he bore our sins in his body on the tree, and that by his wounds, we are healed. See, we're like the crowd. We shout, crucify him, crucify him. We choose anything and everything over God. We love the darkness, and we hate the light. And because of that, we're just like Barabbas. We are wicked people deserving of death. But just as Barabbas had his place taken by Jesus, we have our place in death, in punishment, taken by Jesus. We're like the crowd, we're like Pilate, we're like Barabbas. But you know who we're not like? We're not like Jesus. We're not like Jesus. See, he is holy and we are not. He is righteous and we are not. He is sinless and we are not. We're like Barabbas, we're like the crowd, we're like Pilate, but we're not like Jesus. But the incredible truth of the gospel is that by the power of the gospel, we can be. By the power of the gospel, we can be like Jesus. Because you see, the story of the gospel doesn't end with Jesus dying in our place. The story of the gospel doesn't end with Jesus going to the cross and paying the penalty of our sin. Because while Jesus died in our place, while he died the death that you and I deserve, three days later, he rose again. Three days later, he conquered death. Three days later, he put sin in the ground once and for all when he walked out of the grave that we might have new life in him. See, I read to you part of 2 Corinthians 5.21 that said he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. But the rest of that verse says this, that we might become the righteousness of of God. 1 Peter 2:24, I said he bore our sins in his body on the tree, but the rest of the verse says this that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you are healed. See, Jesus didn't just come to save us from death, but he tells us in John chapter 10 that he came that we might have life and we might have it abundantly. Jesus didn't just come to save us from the punishment that our sins deserve. He came to save us from the power that our sins have over us. 
See, Jesus didn't just come to die in our place. He came to live that we might live with him. Guys, this is the incredible truth of the gospel, that Jesus came to save us from, yes, the punishment of our sins, but also the power of our sins. He came not just to save us from death, but to give us life, eternal life, life that is abundant. And when we say eternal life, we're not just talking about the fact that those who are in Christ go to heaven to be with God when they die, although that is true but we're talking about abundant, eternal life that starts today and continues on to eternity. We're talking about a life freed from the power of sin. We're talking about a life freed from being a slave to your sin. We're talking about a life being filled with the Holy Spirit of God that we might be made more and more like Jesus. That is what Jesus came to give us. He came to die for us and to live for us. Look at this in Romans chapter six. This is Romans 6. I'm going to read verses 5 through 11. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again and death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. And the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Guys, that's the gospel. The gospel is that you and I are sinners, that we are deserving of death, that we have chosen things over God. We have traded the truth of God for a lie. We have worshiped creation rather than creator. We have loved the darkness and we have hated the light. Because of that, we deserve death. But Christ went to the cross and he died in our place. He bore our sins in his body on the cross. He paid the price of our sins when he died in our place. And then he rose again that we too might have new life in him. That if we put our faith and our trust in him, if we give our lives to him, if we say, Jesus, I am a sinner, I do not deserve anything but wrath. I do not deserve anything but punishment, but I trust in you. And I want to love you and serve you and give my life to you. If we do that, then the Bible tells us that the old us The version of us that is dead in our sin, the version of us that is captive to our sin, that is enslaved by our sin, that loves the darkness and hates the light, that that version of us dies along with Christ on the cross, that he puts that old us, that old self, that old man to death. And then, just as he rose to life, He gives us new life. He gives us new life, a life in the spirit of God, 
a life in Christ. A life that is no longer captive to sin because we are dead to sin and now we are alive to God. We're no longer enslaved to sin, but we are the sons and daughters of the most high king of the universe. Guys, the gospel is that we deserve death and pain and punishment. We deserve wrath, but Jesus takes that on himself and he gives us life and righteousness. He gives us himself. He gives us eternal fellowship with the Father. He gives us life and he gives it abundantly. I don't know where you're at today. I know some of you have probably spent your whole lives in church. You've heard what I've just said a thousand times. Some of you, maybe you're hearing it for the first time. But whether this is the thousandth time you've heard the gospel or whether it's the first, it's something you need to hear. Because it's something we all need to hear. You see, if you've never put your faith and your trust in Jesus, either because you never realized that you're a sinner, or maybe you did, but you thought that you could make it on your own, you thought that there was some way that you could pay your debt to God, get in his good graces, and wind up in heaven. But whatever your reason, if you've never put your faith and your trust in Jesus to die on your behalf, to pay for your sins, then I'm telling you right now, you stand convicted you stand before a holy and righteous and just God with the penalty of your sins on your shoulders. You stand like a murderer before his execution, about to receive what he deserves. But Jesus offers this hope that he might die in your place and that you might live because of him. For those of you who do know Christ, for those of you who have put your faith and your trust in God, for those of you who have said, I'm a sinner, I can't save myself, and Jesus, I need you to save me, then tonight, what I wanna do is simply remind you of this. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. You are no longer the person that you were before you put your faith and your trust in Christ. You are no longer enslaved by your sin. You are no longer trapped under the passions and desires of your flesh. You are no longer a slave to that darkness. Because that old you is gone. That old you is dead. It was crucified on the cross and the life you now live, you live by faith in the son of God who loved you and gave himself for you, it says in Galatians 2.20. The life you now live is a life that you have been given by Christ. A life that belongs to him. A life to be lived to his righteousness. You have new life in him, and sin no longer has power over you. He didn't just come to save us from the punishment of our sin, he came to save us from the power of our sin. He didn't just come to save us from death, he came to give us life abundantly. 
So here's what we're going to do. In just a second, I'm going to pray. And the band's going to come up and they're going to lead us in, in one last song. Just to reflect on these things that we've talked about. And then after that, Maddie will come up. She'll dismiss you guys. But when she does, we're going to keep the chapel open. And it's going to be a time for you to stay back. If you're here and you've never put your faith and your trust in Jesus before, maybe you're still trying to be good enough on your own, you're still trying to make it on your own, or, or, or maybe you've just never realized the seriousness of your sin before tonight. If you've never put your faith and your trust in Christ before, but you want to do that for the first time tonight, then after we sing and after Maddie dismisses, I, I want to invite you to just stay. Stay here. Stay where you're at. Talk to your counselors. Ask them your, your questions. Open scripture with them. Ask them what it means to put your faith and trust in Christ. Ask them what it means to have new life in him. I want you to pray with them. I, I, I want you to go before God and say, God, I'm a sinner and, and I need you to save me. Also, if you're here and your faith is already in Christ, You've already been made new. You've already been, been freed from your sin, but it doesn't feel like it. It feels like you're still trapped in your sin. It feels like you still keep going back to the same old things, like that old you keeps coming back to life. And you want that to end. You want to say, no, tonight, I'm going to start living like the new creation that I really am. If that's you, then when we dismiss, I want you to stay back too. I want you to stay here. I want you to talk to your counselor. I want you to ask for their help. I want you to pray with them. I want you to open scripture with them. And I want you to go before God and say, God, please, in your power, in the same power that I was saved from the, the punishment of my sin, I want you to, live, to deliver me from the power of my sin as you already say that you have in your word. So whichever one of those is you, when we dismiss, I want to invite you to stay back here to talk with your counselor and to, to do the business that you need to do with God tonight. Let's pray and then we'll sing a song together. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the truth and the power of the gospel. God, we are people who choose everything else over you. We sin and we commit treason against our holy king. And because of that, we stand condemned. We deserve death. But God, we thank you for the truth that Jesus died on our behalf, that he took the punishment that we deserve. And then that he rose again three days later that we might have the life that he earned. God, I pray for these students. I pray that they would know that truth, that they would trust in that truth, the greatest truth, the truth of the gospel. And God, for those who have already put their faith in that truth, I pray that they would live it out. That they would realize they've been freed from the power of their sin. That they are no longer enslaved by it, but instead, they are your son. They are your daughter. They don't belong to sin because they belong to the Most High, the King of heaven and earth. God, we love you. We thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen.